Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. We're glad you could join us for our November session. I want to remind everybody that if you've got questions today for our speaker, our guest, Dan Alexander, you can get those to us in two ways. One way is to tweet them in. The Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net, or you can email them to us at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. Before we get going, I also want to welcome all of our satellite campuses, meeting this mo morning in Nolensville at Highway 55 and in Cool Springs at Bricks. Gl we're glad you guys could join us. This morning, it's my privilege to introduce our speaker, our guest speaker, Dan Alexander. Dan was never typical. He was the biggest, fastest, and strongest eye back in Nebraska football history. With his six foot, 255 pound frame and 4.5 second speed in the 40, he struck fear into opposing defenses. He was a two time finalist for the Nebraska Lifter of the Year Award and was the first freshman to win the award in 1997. His hard work in the weight room paid off on the field as he punished would-be tacklers on his way to a career 2,456 rushing yards and 20 touchdowns in 38 games. In 2000, he was named Offensive MVP of the Alamo Bowl after rushing for a record 240 yards and a 66-17 win over Northwestern. He was voted first team All-Big 12 as a senior and named, named to the academic All-Big 12 team four times. As a result of his leadership, Dan was chosen as team captain by his teammates in 2000. In 2001, in the NFL draft, Dan was drafted by our very own Tennessee Titans in the sixth round. He went on to have a successful career in the NFL and AFL, playing for the Titans, the Jags, the Rams, the National Cats, the Chicago Rush, and the Alabama Vipers. As remarkable as his career has been on the field, his off-the-field work is just as impressive. In 2006, Dan joined the board of Franktown, a nonprofit created to bring spiritual and physical hope to Williamson County's inner-city youth by bringing Christ into their lives and by teaching them critical life skills. Dan went on to serve as co-director of Franktown in 2009 before being appointed as the executive director in 2010. And during his tenure as director of Franktown, revenues grew 400% in just three years. Dan now works as an account manager at Core Trust, a management consulting firm in Nashville, and serves as a partnership council member for the Refuge Center for Counseling in Franklin, an organization he served with for nearly 12 years. Dan and his wife Amy have been married for 13 years and have three children, ages 10, 5, and 2. Please join me in welcoming Dan Alexander. Dan. Uh, Dan, that's great. Amazing uh, what God's done in your life. Tell me a little bit about your growing up years and your family. Um, you know, I was, uh, so usually starting to be, but I was uh, you know, born and raised in a Christian home, born in Chicago. Uh, my father was raised Baptist. My mom was raised Catholic, so we were non-denominational. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> couldn't reconcile those two, and so we, uh, we went to a lot of uh, non-denominational uh, non churches. Um, my earliest memories are actually from uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, really? My father was with, worked for TWA, and uh, we were um, helping train. You know, he, he was helping train mechanics in, at Riyadh. And uh, so my first experience was we actually uh, started an underground church in Saudi Arabia in Riyadh while my father was working there for TBA and uh, wow. you know, kind of came from there. And so I went to an international school where they taught proper English. <laughs> so, so I came to the, back to the United States talking a little proper, um, you know, and, but was surrounded by people from all different cultures and, and, and faiths and, uh, you know, and stuff. So it was a pretty interesting start to my, start yeah. To my life. Yeah. 
How was the underground church? Is that just amazing to be a part of? You remember much of that? Yeah, I don't remember too much about it. I just, you know, for me, it was pretty normal. Like we went to church like everybody else. I'm sure for my parents, it was a little bit more nerve wracking. Um, yeah. You know, and for the people in our compound, um, you know, Saudis were always very hospitable, but at the end of the day, they were like, you know, uh, you know, you're from out of the country, you guys all stay, we're going to build you this beautiful place, marble floors, brass fixtures, beautiful, um, but we're going to surround it with a 12-foot wall and you stay there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you come out to work, but when, you know, try to, and they built us a swimming pool and, a, you know, a facility there, but the intention was like, hey, we're, we want to treat you really well, but try not to mingle with our population too much. Mm, so it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, we kind of have our own little ecosystem uh, yeah. over in that part. Well, praise God for your parents and just their boldness and their faith and, you know, and to raise you that way and in your home. What a blessing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So tell us about sports. How did sport, I mean, you're in Saudi Arabia. I mean, how did sports start to become a big part of your life? Um, well, you know, neither of my parents grew up watching sports, liking sports. You know, none of them played in high school or middle school. Um, and so, you know, that was never part of our life. You know, um, you know I grew up, uh, when once we moved back to the States, I got involved in Boy Scouts. And so I was a Boy Scout. That was my main extracurricular activity. Um, my brother and my older sister, uh, here are both, my brother's eight years older than I am. My older sister's four years older. Uh, they were both in the band. My sister played the clarinet and my, my uh, brother played the saxophone. And so we had no clue. Um, it wasn't till my brother's junior year of high school uh, in Winsville, Missouri, that the football coach was like, like man, you're, you're too big to be in the band. Like, you know, like, I need you on my football team. And so, uh, and so they can, you know, the football coach convinced my brother to come out for football his junior year of high school. And uh, that was like our whole family's first introduction to sports. Really? Um, you know, and so he, uh, he went out and um, was having no sports background. He was so poor at the fundamentals of football that, you know, People made fun of him. He was like, oh, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Yeah. <laughs> and so he got made fun of. He almost didn't play his senior year because of that. Um, but luckily, we had a great guy. He sold it. She ended up being my head coach also. He was still there when I came through high school. But, uh, or sorry, not Solich, uh, Swafford. Solich was my uh, college coach. Uh, college but coach. My coach Swafford, um, his first year as a head coach, Christian guy, he ended up being the, uh, the, the, the kind of the, leader, the mentor, the leader for our uh, FCA in our high school, you know, was the head football coach, head track coach. Well, he convinced my brother to come back out for football his senior year. And under his kind of guidance and tutelage, my brother broke the school rushing record his, his senior year of college wow. and then got a full ride to Miami, Ohio, really? uh, where he played football. And so, uh, you know, so that all of a sudden, our whole family's eyes were open like, wow, like, you know, my brother was the first person in our family history to go to college, and he was the first person in our family history to kind of play an organized sport. And so, in my mind, things kind of clicked, and I said, you know what, I want to, I want to go to college too. Like, you know, every, I saw how it was celebrated by my whole entire family, how he was the first person to kind of make that, that plunge or that change, uh, and uh, I wanted to do that too. So I kind of, at that, at that age, you know, I think I was maybe in third grade at the time when he graduated high school, um, said, you know, I want to go, I want to go to college too. Wow. What was it like to play? I mean, you played at Nebraska, which, I mean, powerhouse. And, I mean, what was that like to play not only college, but then in the NFL? Um, you know, the co college was, was great. You know, um, you know, I had success in high school, um, you know, in football and wrestling. Even I uh, went to state and track in 4 by one um, so I had a lot of success, and, and that kind of led into uh, college. Actually, my favorite sport's wrestling, but uh, you know, really? football had the best scholarship opportunities, so yeah. I ended up going with football. But, um, you know, 
college was great. You know, Nebraska, I chose Nebraska purposely because, uh, you know, when I was making plans, you know, in elementary and middle school to go to college, I was actually almost flunked out of middle school. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just wasn't doing good academically. And um, came to realize the main reason, you know, through high school, the main reason I didn't excel in academically was because I just didn't like to do homework. Mm. You know, I didn't like to do homework. Um, a lot of times I sat in the back of class and I read books. Um, I was, I'm a, I've always been a really big reader, so it was funny that I would be failing math class because I'm back there reading, you know, a 700-page book, a fantasy, you know, fantasy novel. Um, and so, um, you know, kind of rededicated myself to academics and, um, and through that was able to, you know, realize that, man, I need to go to a school where I can be supported, you know, where I'm going to, you know, so Nebraska, you know, they had mandatory study hall. You know, if I needed a tutor, you can get a tutor pretty much for any class you needed. Um, I knew there was going to be the support that I would need to be, <clears throat> you know, to do well academically. Yeah. Well, you did. I mean, honestly, <clears throat> when you get to the yeah. Nebraska, and you're an academic All-American. I mean, that's yeah. pretty yeah. impressive. So, so yeah, there was a, there's a lot, there's just a lot of support, you know, and, uh, you know, I can't claim all of that. Um, I think I'm, I'm fairly smart. And what I've learned, uh, you know, through, through hard, the hard knocks of life is that I need to sit in the front yeah. and I need to put distractions aside and I need to pay attention. And then when I get home, I need someone to make me do, <laughs> I need to do my homework. Um, and then and in that case, you know, I think through high school and through college, I was able to, you know, average over, have over be average um, just from simply sitting in the front and paying attention versus sitting in the back and reading a book or being yeah. distracted. Um, you know, and so that kind of, you know, I had success, had good support, uh, family support, had great mentors uh, through college, um, you know, and that kind of led me, you know, I didn't even think about going to the NFL until um, I was a uh, kind of semifinalist for the Doak Walker Award my senior year, you know, which is a uh, top running back uh, in the nation uh, award. So my senior year, all of a sudden, I started getting calls from, um, from agents and said, well, man, maybe I can play in the NFL. I'd, I thought I was going to become a stockbroker. I was, that's, I was doing an internship with a stockbroker firm and, uh, and thought that was going to be kind of where I was going. And, um, and that led into the NFL. And so, you know, um, you know the NFL was different. You know, I, I try to, you know, whenever I speak about it, I try to almost make it more of a cautionary tale. You know, the three years I was in the NFL were some of the loneliest, darkest times in my life. And I think most people are like, oh, ask, what's well, yeah, the NFL? It must have been this amazing experience. And, um, and it really wasn't. And I, you know, I look back in hindsight, you know, it's all, you know, hindsight's 2020. I can look back there and see, you know, I went from being at Nebraska where, you know, I had an itinerary every week that told me where to go. You know, mm. when I, beginning of classes, I went to the academic counselor and they said, what classes do you want to be in? And I'm like, oh, these ones. And they did all the registration for me. You know, when I needed a tutor, I'd talk to somebody and, they, and next thing I had a tutor, you know, the next day that would show up. Um, you know, when I was hungry, I went to, yeah. The mess hall, you know, and I yeah. got food. I never learned how to, you know, cook for myself. You know, I had, so everything was kind of done for you. And um, so then when you get to the NFL, I feel like what happens to a lot of players and what happened to me is you get to there and you're like, all of a sudden, everybody treats me like a man because I'm man's, you know, because I'm 250 pounds and, you know, and I'm six foot and, you know, I'm on TV and I give interviews and, and, you know, when I get up there, I dress nice, and everybody assumes that you're a man, that, you've, that you know all the things it takes to be a man and to, you know, and to run a household. And, um, and you really don't. Mm. And, um, and so, at least in my case, I think some of the, and I had great mentors, um, but I think um, one thing I've learned is that I need to be in accountability, mm. you know. Um, I try to do it all myself. I got there, 
I, I felt the pressure of like, you know, now that I'm a man, I need to take responsibility for my family. And so I started trying to provide for my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters and trying to put my sister through college. And I was trying to be the man for the whole family um, and the whole while not feeling up to it and not feeling equipped. Um, but then also because of that pressure, not really wanting to tell anybody about it, mm -hmm. you know, not let anybody know that I was struggling, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's just like, you know, hey, let's, uh, you know, I'll distract him. Hey, I'll just pay for the dinner, you know, or, you know, and I'll, and I'll do the man things. And so, um, you know, that was a, it was a hard time in my life because it was, uh, you know, it was, it was lonely because I had isolated myself, mm. you know, I didn't allow myself. Um, and I was kind of pulled away from my mentors. And so I didn't really reach out to them the same way. And then wasn't sure, you know, who I could trust. And, and so, yeah, it, it was a hard time. It was, you know, enjoyable in a lot of ways. You know, I met my wife during that time of my life. So that was definitely a bright part of that. Yeah. wasn't a total wash. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, but I, I could have met my wife without the NFL. She was, uh, we dated for uh, probably two or three months before she ever knew I played. Played football. <laughs> <laughs> I think it came up once where she, uh, she was, uh, she said, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I was like, oh, I got to work on Thanksgiving. And she was like, what are you, and you're like, man, why do you have to work on Thanksgiving? And I was like, well, I play for the Titans, you know, we have a game. And she's like, oh, okay. Then we just kept on talking about other things. So. <laughs> she didn't really care. And that's one of the reasons why I chose her. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, that, but that is an interesting aspect. I mean, here you go from kind of the pinnacle. I mean, you know, Alamo Bowl and setting records and probably everybody in Nebraska knowing who you are and mm -hmm. All-American, all these kind of things. And then you come to the NFL and like you said, you just weren't, you know, not only uh, you were physically ready, but, but emotionally and spiritually and all those things that you just, you weren't ready for that. And you mm -hmm. didn't have that support and the people around you. And I think that's, I think that's important for every guy. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times as guys, we try to handle it ourselves. <laughs> instead of saying, hey, I need some help, you know, mm -hmm. and I need some guys around me, I need accountability. And um, that, man, that's a huge lesson to learn, mm -hmm. you know. Definitely. Hey, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, you know, you know, starting off, I think, with my mother, uh, some of the, the most, you know, you think of those defining moments in your life, things that, you know, change you or where a light bulb went off. And, um, you know, I don't think there's one particular one, but there's probably two or three, um, and the first one was in middle school uh, when I was flunking out. Mm. Um, I had just, I got baptized when I was 13, I think in seventh, seventh grade. Um, so I was in middle school. Here I am in the middle of just becoming a Christian, but also about to flunk, about to be held back a year because I can't get my grades under control. And at the same time, my biggest goal in life is to go to college. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I just really struggled during that time. I had a lot of... Um, you know, and uh, even though I was one of the bigger kids in the school, I was shy and introverted. And so, uh, you know, I was, they had a couple of bullies that would pick on me, which sounds funny because I was one of the bigger guys. But, um, but um, I remember uh, one of those things kind of came to a head. Um, and in my small town, you know, it was kind of like um, there weren't a lot of black, other black kids in the school. And, um, you know, growing up, and so one of, the, one of the things that was happening was that some of the black kids would get on, would start making fun of me and be like, well, you talk too proper, uh, you don't sag your pants, you're not just respectful of the teachers, you know, you don't cuss, and why don't you listen to the, you, know, you don't even know about the, new, the newest rap songs, and I just felt like, you know, I was, uh, you know, there was this stuff where I was, I was in there, oh, you're trying to act white. And, mm. um, and so at that point, you know, being mixed, because my wife, my, my mom is not, you know, is not full-blooded, you know, she's, she's uh, got some English descent. 
And so, you know, I went and kind of shared a lot of this with my mom, and she was like, you know, if that's what it means to act, to be black, then don't be black. Mm. You know, and you know, people see you as that, but like, you know, ultimately, you know, you've given your life to Christ. You're a Christian. You wow. know, you have a whole new, um, you belong to a whole new family, wow. you know. And so her, her, her advice to me was almost like, don't act, you know, don't try to act like your skin color, you know, mm. act like your heart or, you know, where your priorities lie. And, you know, that really helped propel me, I think, through that dark place in middle school to kind of like all of a sudden I got to the point where I think it's carried me to the today where I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to fit the stereotype. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to act anything like how people expect me to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I take that too far in the rebellious sense yeah. of I, I try not to conform to anything. Right. But, um, but I think it really helped me, I think, fight, you know, temptation and um, kind of the the peer pressure that you find through middle school and high school, it really propelled me into high school. Um, in high school, my senior year, kind of the next biggest piece of advice was I had a guy, uh, Coach Swafford. Um, I had that same coach that helped my brother. Um, you know, I was, he was, he was, he was my, one of my best mentors. And uh, my senior year, um, you know, I had been, been, I started getting recruited by colleges for football when I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, here it was my senior year. And the very beginning of my senior year was just tough. You know, mm. I just, I think my first one or two games weren't really good. And I just felt like I was letting everybody down. Mm. I just felt like, oh, I'm letting everybody down. Like, I'm not going to get a scholarship to college. You know, like, you know, the, you know my life's falling apart. What do, I, what do I do? And, you know, and I think he, he took me, being a good football coach, you know, he has ulterior motives too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he took me aside. and He's like, you know, you only have an audience of one. Mm. He's like, you know, you're trying to impress the scouts and coaches and you want to impress your family and friends. He's like, you know, you need to put, take all that aside and you only have an audience of one. And, and um, I think he also the first person that told me about, um, <clears throat> you know, he's like, you know, you want to, you know, as an audience of one, he's like, you're a thermostat. You know, you have, if you're just playing for God, if you're playing for Christ, then, then that's what your bar is. You know, and what Christ asks you to do, that's what you're supposed to set the temperature. And you're a thermostat. Set the temperature to where it is and don't let, you know, don't be a thermometer and be swayed by the temperature around you. You don't let, you know, people bring you up and down. You know, have an audience of one, you know, let that be the goal and then set your temperature to that, to that and, and kind of make it so, you know, just that was one of the best pieces of that's advice good. I had yeah. ever gotten. And that, uh, you know, and really turned around my, turned around my senior year was able to have a great year and obviously, you know, go to college yeah. um, and there. And then, um, the, you know, next piece, of, I had a good mentor in college. Um, so another thing that kind of propelled me, I think, into Franktown and just into the charitable work that I've been doing for years is, uh, you know, I had a mentor, Max, Max Callan, who's a stockbroker. And um, I remember at one point uh, he was trying to help me get a suit, you know, fit me for a suit, you know, as I could be more presentable in these situations. And I was just like, you know, kind of like my father, I was like, no, I don't want anybody to help me. Like, no, 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 I kept on, you know, don't, don't try to do anything. And he's like, hey, listen, like, I'm trying to help you because, you know, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's like, don't step on my blessing, you know? <laughs> so he kind of came at it from the standpoint of like, he's like, you're hindering me from doing what God's asked me to do. And he's like, and I'm going to get more, I'm, gonna, I'm getting more out of this than you. You know, it's more blessed for me to help you than it is for you to get this, you know, the, the value of that suit's not worth what I'm getting, you know? Wow. And so I think once I realized that, I think uh, a lot of men, we try to be an island unto ourselves and uh, realizing that, um, you know, 
not only when you, are you helping others when you let them help you, um, but also that sense that you also get from giving. Mm. And so, you know, became, uh, you know, Nebraska, I was one of the most active, you know, guys out there in the community and just, that kind of just took over my life during that time and obviously led into um, NFL and my time with Frank Town and my wife and I uh, started a charity in 2005 that she runs, that she founded. Um, so, you know, just it's become a big part of, a big part of my life. Praise God. I love that. I mean, Dan, just God's put the right people in your life to kind of speak truth, you know, from your mom, your coaches, and, and uh, I love that. And as a, as a guy to be able to receive that. Mm-hmm. Hey, how has your definition of success changed at different <coughs> levels of your life? You know, I mean, you just look back, you've had some just big success, but how has that definition changed? Um, you know, I think... Uh, you know, in high school, I, my, to me, success was getting to college. Mm. You know, was being, uh, and the other part um, was just representing Christ. I think, you know, for me, my biggest fear, uh, my life is being disqualified. Mm. I'm from the gospel, and I know that's not necessarily, you know, you know, but that, that's how I thought of it for a long time was like, you know, I need to do the right things. I need to be the poster child. You know, this is, football can, and sports can be a dark place. Let me be a good example, you know. Um, and so, you know, I was, you know, was able to carry that through a lot in high school. And so I, when I left high school, I felt like I was a success. Mm. You know, I, uh, you know, graduated, um, a virgin, never drank alcohol, you know, didn't take, you know, didn't do any drugs, um, you know, and, and that to me was, was success. Um, you know, I got to college you know, it slightly changed because now all of a sudden I'm a smaller fish in a bigger pond. And, uh, and now it's like, so now I think that intensified a little bit was that um, desire like, okay, you know, now I've got an even bigger stage. I'm representing Christ. You know, don't let me, dis- you know, get disqualified from being able to share the gospel because I'm a mess, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so that pressure um, kind of mounted too. And so I was to be a role model. Uh, and for me, my goals, in, like I said, my goals in college were to graduate and to uh, be the starting running back, you know. Um, and so from that standpoint, you know, that was success um, in college. Um, and then so, as I become an adult, um, what I look like, again, in hindsight, when I look at it is that um, some of my definitions for success or maybe even the implementation of them were as a young man were kind of faulty. So I said, you know, like in high school is about, you know, this disqualification. I don't, you know, like I had this terrified of being a bad example or not being a role model. And what that bled into in high school, it was pure and it was great. In college, as there more peer pressure and stuff around, then all of a sudden it was now where I was wanting to hide my sin, you know, mm-hmm. so I wasn't disqualified. It wasn't about, you know, so it became less about doing the right thing and more about, you know, and it was, still was. I mean, I definitely didn't fall off the, you know, I wasn't doing anything crazy in there, but I, but I was making mistakes and I was starting to learn how to hide them so mm-hmm. that I could, so I could be a role model. Um, you know, so then I got to the NFL and, um, you know, when I got to the NFL and once I started supposedly becoming a man, um, I think that was counterproductive. You know, some of those goals of, of success that I thought was, okay, as long as nobody knows anything's going on, I'm great. Um, became kind of a chain, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, uh, you know, you know, was I, in college and kind of early NFL, you know, I start, I got addicted to pornography. Um, I was, I was hiding things, you know, I just was not um, free. I wasn't open. I wasn't living a life that thing definitely wasn't doing anything crazy, but at the, at the end of the day, I wasn't living the way I needed to be. And instead of 
living out of love of Christ and wanting to do the right thing. It was a fear of, the fear of, um, of, uh, of being discovered or, or, or of, you know, of someone being like, well, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be up here. And, I, and that's what I'd want to do my whole life was to, uh, you know, was to, you know, be in front of everybody and, and, and really hold up that, 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 that uh, torch for Christ, you know, mm-hmm. and say, hey, shine this light out to everybody. Um, but, um, you know, and as I've looked back um, and I felt, so I felt, so kind of based on my own, I think, judgments of success, I really felt like I would, did not have a successful time during that early adulthood. And um, it's only now that I look back, um, that I look back and I think about how, 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 how things have changed in my life. And uh, oh gosh, I had a story I was about to tell and I just lost it. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's just gone full circle. And so I, what I was gonna say is that what I've started to do um, and what I've kind of, has my definition of success has changed uh, in my adulthood is I realized that like um, the statistic on NFL players is that five years after their last game, most NFL players are either um, divorced bankrupt, in trouble with the law, or addicted to drugs. And, um, wow. you know, like 80 to 85%. And so, um, and so now, as, my, as an adult, I look back and I'm like, you know what, like, I barely have avoided a couple of those, but, I, but a lot of times I'll tell kids, like, hey, I was, I'm in the top 15% of NFL players that you'll ever meet. <laughs> and so my definition of success has changed when I see, like, you know, it was a struggle. You know, it was hard. Um, there are many times where I've, where, uh, you know, where I fell and I didn't do things the right way, um, but I learned from those things. And thankfully, because of, you know, um, you know when I, after I got married, you know, our, our, our marriage started off rocky. We had some issues going in there, but um, I have a great wife, mm. you know, who, is, who has helped me and supported me. Um, you know, at that time, I had a grid strong accountability group mm. that really pulled together and, um, and, and, and helped me make the right, to make, make right decisions. And so, you know, <clears throat> you know, now looking at it as, an, you know, now I say, you know, I was a success. Mm-hmm. I made it through. It was very hard. I did fall. I did stumble. I did disappoint myself based on, you know, based on kind of my measurements of a success when I was younger. But as I've grown up, I said, you know, I made it through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I ran the race and mm-hmm. it, it didn't look the way I wanted it to. You know, I'm not proud of, of everything that I've done. But... Um, at the end of the day, I, I've, I've beat some of the odds mm-hmm. and, uh, and hopefully use that momentum to propel me into the future. Yeah, praise God. I mean, that's just, that's, yeah, it's amazing. Man, that statistic is strong in that, you know, in that you, know, you don't see that, right? On TV, you mm-hmm. put these people up as heroes and everything else, but you don't see all the struggles that they're facing and then yeah. even afterwards. Yeah, that's a lot what I've, you know, even t- tried to share, you know, today is that, you know, it's hard to go from being a Division one athlete, yeah. adored by everybody, you know, yeah. put in the spotlight, given everything, you know, that you ever need, you're surrounded by support, to all of a sudden becoming a man. People are treating you like a man, but you really haven't learned the skills yet. Yeah. And if you don't submit to, you know, mentorship, and if you don't find some good men, or if you don't have a good father, you know, my father, um, he was a great man, um, but he... Um, he never really mentored me. He never mm-hmm. really was in a position to teach me because he, was, he still was learning, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, for me to be surrounded from that, but then to be absent of that, you know, it really tells the story of my life. When I am in consistent accountability and mentorship, 
um, my life looks a lot different. Yeah. And it's a lot better. Yeah. Um, when I isolate myself and try to do everything on my own, um, you know, and I and I start hiding and not being, you know, open and you know, and, and start kind of falling in amongst and uh, in, you know into myself, um, you know, things things can go badly. Yeah. Tell me, are there some principles <clears throat> that you learned from football that you've kind of taken and applied in your life today? There's some things that have been transferable there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just uh, just recently I've been doing a lot of soul searching. You know, like I said, I've had. Um, you know, in my, the first quarter of my life, and I shared with you the analogy, you know, I've kind of looked back at my life and I was like, you know, I, I have one thing at Nebraska, you know, or a lot of teams, you know, they'll come up and it's the fourth quarter and you're know, holding up their hands like fourth quarter, it's time, you know, we're going to finish strong. And, um, and I think I kind of forgot that, mm. um, you know, I forgot that you have to play a whole game. <laughs> And, um, you know, I look back at my life and I think, you know, when I broke it up into quarters, you know, if I look at my life expectancy, if I live to be 80 years old, I'm just getting into halftime. Wow. And, um, you know, and so I looked at the first half of my life and you know, how have I played, you know, uh, you know, in this war between as a Christian in this war of the flesh against, you know, the spirit, you know, who's been scoring the most points, you know, which team, you know, or which, you know, or the analogy with the dogs, you know, which dog am I feeding, yeah. you know, in this case, you know, which team uh, is, is winning this fight. And so, you know, I definitely think my first 10 years of life, not so much as expected of you, <clears throat> but I definitely had some successes, um, you know, and, 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 some, and some falls. And then, you know, you know, 11 to 20, you know, I think I ran a really good race. And by, I think a lot of measure success, I was successful. And, so I feel like I, f I won that first quarter, that yeah. first, <laughs> you know, that, that first, that first, that one to, you know, zero to 20, um, I, I won the first quarter. Um, but what I was sad to realize is when I looked back and really evaluated, took a deeper look into my heart and looked at my family, which is my family's success, I think, you know, I love my kids and my wife and they're all doing well. But when I really looked at myself and my heart and where have I really been feeding and what have I been doing? Even with running a charity, you know, a Christian charity and speaking into kids' lives, um, you know, and really, you know, doing a lot of things, a lot of somewhat good things, mm. um, I really feel like when I, when I scored out, I lost the second quarter. Mm. Um, and so I think I've felt that. I've, you know, I've struggled, um, I think, in the last four or five years with, you know, some depression, mm. um, with, um, you know, with uh, just being anxious, you know, with... Uh, with um, you know, struggled with just apathy. I think that's probably the biggest thing is just, I think I, I think I won so big my first quarter that I thought I could put it on cruise control. Wow. You know, and it's like a team who comes out great in the gate first quarter, second quarter, you kind of put it on cruise control and all of a sudden you start getting beat. You get into halftime and realize like, I'm losing this game. Mm. And, um, you know, and so I think, you know, the last few months have been a great kind of revival for me because I realized that I have to play, you know, the football that, one thing, I mean, the question was, you know, what have I learned from football is that, you know, I have to play the whole game. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what I'm blessed is that um, I've come to the realization, you know, at the right time, at halftime, mm -hmm. to say, you know what, I have two more quarters to play. Yeah. You know, I think for a part of my life, I think in my 20s and 30s, you think like, oh, 40, the life is over. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to cruise into the 40. And I really get to 40. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the end. This is, this is the middle. This, yeah. is, this is really the beginning of what should probably be my most productive years. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, I've really, um, you know, that's something I've really learned. And now, I mean, I shouldn't say I've been taking it to heart for the last 20 years, but I'm certainly now looking into my future hopeful and um, excited about what the next 40 years could bring. And, um, you know, I think I learned it from football. Like when, he, when I put it into the standpoint of a game, I was like, I have a lot more game to play. Yeah. And, um, and now is not the time to throw in the towel or to, you know, to sit back and, and think I've won. I'm losing this game, mm. um, you know, hypothetically. Mm. And, uh, and I really, but I want to win. Um, and then the other part I would say is that, you know, one thing, if I've done anything right, um, in, in my family is that um, one thing you learn in football is loyalty mm. and service, you know, and being, you know, football is not a game where you, that you play by yourself, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I mean, I, my junior year of high school, I remember the, the best example is I broke the school, I broke my brother's rushing record, that, I broke the school rushing record again um, my junior year of high school. And um, when I broke that record, our team was two and eight. Really? You know, had a team wasn't doing very good at all. Uh, my senior year, I actually didn't break my, I didn't re-break my record that I that I had just set, um, and my team was eight and two. Mm. Um, and so, you know, football is a team game, mm -hmm. uh, and I think my family, I think of it as a team. And so, you know, showing loyalty to my wife um, and being a support for her, and understanding how to play your role, um, and supporting your teammates, um, I think is something that's really important to me. And, uh, you know, so I think that's something I've learned from football, and hopefully I'll continue to keep that in the no. top of my list. I love that. You know, your passion for Christ, I mean, it just flows through you, which, which is so awesome. How, how has your relationship with Christ impacted all your relationships with your wife, your kids, your, your parents, your, I mean, just everybody? Um, well, I think, um, obviously, I think in a positive way, I think for the most part, I would say that, you know, my family and friends and people, everybody knows that, you know, that... I love Christ, and yeah. that is the, it's central and, and a, imp the most important part of my life. Um, and right now, I'm, I think I'm fine-tuning hmm. how I how I approach that because you know, as a Christian, we all are representatives of Christ to everybody. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, with my children, I think I've been more of like the wrathful, vengeful <laughs> God, <laughs> or, you know, or you know, I've been kind of taking the more of I'm in the in the temple constantly throwing over tables, and um, and I. And so I'm kind of learning, I think, in, you know, to be more loving, to be mm -hmm. more supportive, to be the one who, you know, you know, stands up, you know, for the person about, you know, for the woman about to get stoned and mm. says, you know, and, and, and realizes that, hey, I have sinned too. Should I be over here throwing stones, mm. you know, at my children? And so I think, you know, I think I always try to keep in mind, I know there was that whole movement for a while, what would Jesus do? And I, I think that, you know, as we move through life, obviously Jesus wasn't a static person. You know, he's perfect, so from that standpoint, he doesn't change. Um, but he didn't take the same approach with everybody. Yeah. And um, I think there's people I've been too loving to, and I think there's people that I've been too judgment, you know, too, you know, much too vengeful mm -hmm. or wrathful. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's constantly, it's, it's that constant, um, I don't want to say struggle, but that constant evaluation of yourself and how am I representing Christ to these people? How am I, am I bringing them closer to Christ by mm -hmm. my behavior and by my example or am I driving them away? And so, you know, definitely um, in the home, uh, I'm doing that. And then I think at work, you know, uh, you know, you know, trying to, you know, be approachable, uh, mm -hmm. be kind, be gentle um, and, and, and bring that into the workplace also. You know what I appreciate you about, Dan, and it's just that you, 
you're introspective. I mean, you're looking at your life and you're saying, hey, I could put it on cruise control, right? And I, but I don't want to. I really want to have Christ be the Lord of my life and impact every relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, how would you encourage men to be spiritual leaders? Um, you know, the main thing I would uh, say, I got my notes over here to make sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, for me, the most important part is, that, is, is where I've gotten away from. You know, as I say this last quarter of my life, I haven't been as successful as I was like. And when I look at it, like I said, the main things I can point out to any man is <clears throat> study the Word. I mean, when the Word is flowing through you, when you are listening, uh, you know, to great pastors mm-hmm. or listening to the Bible, I, I do the video, I do audio Bible a lot mm-hmm. while I'm in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having that in you allows you, like, you know, just it's just amazing how many times, like, you'll hear something or hear something in the Bible that you're able to use within that day or the next day that just comes out of you because it was just, it was already, it was in your short-term memory or it's, it's there in the forefront of your mind. Um, and I just think, um, I got away from that for a long time. I got too busy. Mm. Um, and then, um, you know, mentorship, uh, you know, I just, uh, for the longest time I haven't had a mentor and I realized that's, that's, that's hurt me. That's hamstrung, uh, hamstrung me as a man. As a, as a husband, as a, as a father for, uh, you know, going on almost, you know, almost 20 years of my life. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, I've now come under mentorship and I've, I've chosen a mentor and, and mm. him and I are starting to start trying to meet regularly. We went on a trip together last month. And mm. so, um, you know, really having somebody there who is, who's, you know, he's not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't talk to me about every area of their life because he struggles with mm. things too. But, but there is somebody else there to hold me accountable and to encourage me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just as important as somebody holding you accountable or the, on the negative things, someone to encourage you in the positive things. Um, and then, you know, just accountability in groups. So I think right now I'm starting to get into a few more Bible studies, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get to know some more men and not isolate myself. I mean, yeah. the, I think the biggest thing for all of us men is we think we're too busy. Um, and that's really the, that's the excuse I've given myself for, for years now. You know, mm-hmm. I started having kids and it's like, oh, I'd go to Bible study, but I'm just too busy, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, I'd work out, but, you know, I got to go to work or I have to wake up so early or I'm so tired or, um, and at the end of the day, you know, what you put your time into shows what's impo- most important to you, yeah. you know, and if, um, and, and we're not, uh, and for me, I think what I've felt for years that I'm just now starting to kind of refill is that I've been pouring out, I keep on trying to pour out. You know, I'm trying to give to my kids, I'm trying to give to my wife, I'm trying to give my best at work, I'm trying to, you know, give my best in my spiritual life, and, and I'm, tr- I'm pouring out, but, um, but nothing is pouring back in. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I was, like I said, wasn't in the Word, mm-hmm. wasn't being filled up and being mm-hmm. encouraged by a mentor, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't having other men around me that would support me, and you run dry. Yeah. And I think that's where the apathy, it just, like, I don't have the energy to give you anything, yeah. you know, and I started running dry and my, my wife feels it, you know, and she feels unappreciated and, and um, that I'm not in the game with her. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of lack of trying, I don't have anything in there, yeah. you know, and my kids, like I said, they're getting more of the like, don't do that, stop doing mm-hmm. that, you know, get over here, you know, put your shoes on yeah. instead of, you know, I don't have the love to pour into them because I didn't, it was not being poured into me. And so I think, um, I think we, all try to pretend like we are in our own fountain, and, but, but mm. Jesus gave the example, he's the only one. Mm-hmm. He's the overflowing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
stream or he's the overflowing jug. You know, he's the one that gives us that energy and that power and that water to do everything in our life excellently. Yeah. And, um, and I think when you cut off that, that tap, um, you know, things suffer. Yeah. Things suffer in your life. Hey, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, you know, I was, uh, that was a hard question. I knew that one was coming. And, um, you know, that's what prompted me a lot on some of this stuff as I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not a man who has arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I couldn't get up here and pretend that, you know, I'm, I've been really successful and here's everybody by my book. You know, I've done such a good job. Um, you know, it's really, um, I've learned a lot of stuff through failure, and when I tried to really boil it down, it's like, what do I really want to re- be remembered as, you know, or be remembered by? What is my ongoing thing that I want to give my children? And so, uh, you know, one of my favorite verses growing up was Ecclesiastes 12:13, and it's, you know, now that all's been, you know, Solomon's basically said, now that all's been heard, you know, here's this conclusion of the matter, you know, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of, of man. Amen. And, um, and so I followed that for a long time, and, um, and I think that's great. I think it's a verse that I really want my kids to embrace, that this is our whole duty, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> and there does have to be a certain amount of healthy fear. Um, but I also, like, I think in conjunction, you have to bring in, you know, Matthew 22, um, you know, in, in Matthew 22, what was that, um, 37, where it's like, you know, you know, where Jesus says, love your God with all your heart and your mind, you know, your spirit, and, and uh, you know, and so, and so it's kind of the, the first commandment and then boils down the Ten Commandments into the second commandment, you know, love one another. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that's the only thing we can all hope for, mm-hmm. I think, is if my family, if I can leave a legacy that my kids, um, you know, man, put God first, yeah. uh, you know, and they love and fear him um, and that, you know, and they put him first and that they then through that love and that communion with, with, with Jesus and that flows into them, if they can then flow that out to serve their fellow man, um, then they're going to be successful, yeah. you know. You know, do they have to play football or, you know, or be a therapist like their mother mm-hmm. or, or, you know, to help people that way or start a charity? No, they don't have to do those things. They can, there's, there's millions of things and jobs on this earth that they can do. Um, but as long as they keep those, those things, as long as they're being fed by, by the by the most powerful, in, you know, <laughs> person in the universe, and they are pouring that out to their fellow man and caught making a difference, man, I'll be proud of them no matter what they do. And I, I hope that when people remember me at my uh, funeral, that, that, that they can say, that, you know, man, he, he really loved, he loved God, mm. you know. Um, he put him first, you know, and he, 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 you know, he surrendered with a reverent fear uh, of the Lord. And, um, and you know, and he, and he showed every day, um, you know, Christ's love for, for his fellow man, and he served people relentlessly. Um, you know, I, I would think that would be a good legacy to leave. Amen. That's awesome. That's so good. Well, I want to encourage you, Dan, too. Um, you know, this past Sunday, you had an incredible privilege, and, um, and that was to baptize your son. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, as a dad, it just doesn't get any more special than that, mm-hmm. you know? What was that like, to baptize your son? I mean, right here. Um, I was nervous. <laughs> um, you know, I think over the years, like I said, I've done a lot of speaking and I've even led, you know, um, some kids to Christ and, um, and really felt like, you know, and even mentored a couple other uh, of men, young men. Um, but definitely that was the icing on the, you know, that was the, the ultimate, mm-hmm. you know, a thrill to realize that, man, my son 
has, has made a commitment, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it wasn't something I pushed, you know, I've yeah. really, I think we try to take the standpoint of like, you know what, this has to be a personal decision. Yeah. I don't want my son to be a Christian because his father's a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to a certain degree, you want that, but um, but you know, I, it has to be his own decision uh, that he has made, and so uh, he surprises actually. He had went to a couple summer camps this mm -hmm. summer. Uh, the second one he went to, you know, he gave his life to Christ and came home and was excited and told us. And we're just like, wow, like, you know, it kind of blindsided us a little bit. I mean, we knew he was interested, you know, at night, you know, when I pray with him or we do Bible studies, he'd ask good questions. You know, and so I knew it was it was in the back of his mind, but didn't know he was quite ready yet. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was a thrill. It was exciting to be part of. Uh, you know, I was baptized by my father, so it felt good to baptize my son and mm -hmm. and to uh, and, you know and to kind of be there to and you know show his commitment to the rest of the world. Praise God! Well, I love it. I love it, and I'm so thankful. Um, for what God's doing in you and through you. Mm -hmm. And uh, God's using you in a great way for His glory. So uh, let me pray for us right now. And then, uh, Thomas, I'm going to turn it back over to you, okay? Uh, Father God, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for Dan. Thank you for his life, God. Thank you for just the way you um, have been working in him and, Father, through him. And, God, whether it's time in Nebraska or in the NFL, uh, Father, even today, God, and you have given him a platform to use for your name and for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you would anoint him with your spirit. I pray, Father, for all of us men, God, that we would be men after your heart. And that, God, we would serve you all the days of our lives, God. That you would, God, not let us put it on cruise control and not let us kind of phone it in. But, Father, that we would be more passionate today about you than ever before. And, Father, in this second half of our lives, God, that we would live it all for your name and your glory. And so, Lord, help us to put those things in place, studying your word, being in church, being in community, having mentors and accountability, these things that Dan's been challenging us to, Father, and let us live it out, God. Thank you that you are our Lord and our Savior. Thank you that you love us and that you have a plan for us, Father, and use us, God, in our day and our generation. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan, for joining us. Round of applause for Dan. Dan, I'll let you know, we, we had questions coming in, but you and Jeff were just hammering them out. There was a, we were laughing over here saying, he's answering every question. So great job. Great job. Hey, guys, be on the lookout for your MLN Rewind email. It'll come out this afternoon. Uh, it'll recap our morning. It'll also have a link to today's video. You can, uh, real easy to copy, paste, forward that link to friends or anybody that you think that would be uh, like to hear this message from Dan. Also, uh, anytime you want to catch up on past interviews, mensleadershipnetwork.com. We've got a whole library. I think we're fourth or fifth year now of, uh, of interviewing men about topics that matter to men. So a great, uh, great area for content there. Hey, you don't want to miss next Thursday. Our special guest is going to be Jason Ellerbrook. Uh, Jason is the co-founder of Engage Media Partners, which is an organization that's built to connect the local church with the unchurched people in their community. And their group has worked on uh, some, some movie projects maybe you've heard of, God is Not Dead, the War Room, Risen, and then they've got The Price of Fame, which hits theaters nationwide uh, Tuesday, November 7th. So it's coming up. So we're going to have some time with Jason. So I hope you can make it out. We'll get started at 630. And again, we'll get started with the interview around 7. Hope you can make it.